And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back with another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Mount Watson. Very excited to be joined today by a longtime friend known for, I don't know, over 10 years. I don't even know how long, forever. Uh, Katie Donovan, who is the CEO of Camp Digital. They do some really high-tech marketing and home services. We're going to talk about that today and about her journey. Before we get started, I do want to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. If you're a startup, this is for you today. Running a business is just plain hard. Enlist to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of it. But I want to tell you about Gusto. It can make your life easier. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses by taking the pain out of tasks like automated payroll, tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance, 401k, onboarding tools, all the other junk that I don't want to deal with. So thank you, Gusto, for making that easy. And they really care about making small business owners, they really care about the small business owners they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. Try a three-month free subscription now. Sign up at gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle. Katie, welcome to the Startup Hustle. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I was looking up Gusto while you were talking about them, and that is crazy. 300,000 customers in 12 years about. That's Talk about hustle. My gosh, that's crazy. They have their own payroll problems. They have 2,000 employees, but oh my I bet gosh. they're good at solving them. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's crazy. I thought our growth was nuts. That's that's insane growth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. excited to talk to you today about your journey and, and what you guys do, I think is is interesting. You know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs on the show that do a lot of different things. Some of them are, are tech companies doing traditional like software as a service. Some of them are non-tech. Yours is kind of right in between. It's a professional services marketing agency, but it's got a really critical tech twist to it. And I think the story of kind of how you guys started this was is super interesting. And I was hoping you could share us share with us uh, that story today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. You know, we always like to say that we're a digital marketing company. Um, really, we're a software company that does digital marketing. So that does kind of put us in that weird, unique spot for sure. Um, but we love it. So we, I was uh, working in digital marketing with, in automotive, actually, uh, with my brother, Sean, my sister, Meg. And I was at a Google event, oh, way back, maybe eight years ago now, seven years ago now. And it was a great event. Had some of the top in digital marketing people in the automotive space present. And we all went and sat down in the room. And I sat down first next to the guy that was hosting the event that was running it at the time. And he leaned over to me and said, get out of auto. 
And then everybody else started flooding into the room. I sat there the next two hours during that meeting. I could tell you what room I was in. I can tell you what I was wearing. I could tell you who was sitting next to me, but I couldn't tell you a bit of content because I spent the next two hours sweating, trying to figure out, oh, did I upset? Why did he tell you this? Why did he say, get out of auto? Like, am I in trouble? What happened? And uh, afterwards, everybody left. And I said, Julio, what, like, what do you mean get out of auto? He said, no, 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 no. You should. It's very crowded vertical. You should take your technology and you should try another vertical. And they suggested home services. So they introduced us to the home services group at Google and uh, we're off to the races. We spoke at their event not two months after that uh, and have had just a, a great run doing digital uh, software enabled digital marketing for the trades. So the company today is called Camp Digital, but it used to be called something else. Oh my gosh, you're embarrassing me. I love it. This is why you shouldn't do a podcast with people you've known <laughs> for 10 years. So we were sitting at that home services, the Google got us a uh, meet with the team that ran home services. And at the time they fit in one room and it was one guy and he gave us 30 minutes. His name was John and he's just a prince of a human. And out of courtesy, he gave us 30 minutes and we started and about 10 minutes in, he said, whoa, 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 stop. Can you start over and got a whole bunch of people. And we gave the presentation to pretty much the home services team at the time. So they were very impressed with what they saw. We get to the end of what's now an hour and a half long meeting and they said to me, what is the name of the company? And I couldn't, I, we didn't have a name, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I looked around like in those terrible movies and we were sitting in uh, home and local service, home services is a division of Google at the time, local services was a division of Google. And so I said home and local services because that was what was right in front of me. <laughs> so we, we took the name that uh, Google had for their department essentially. So, well, it worked out though, didn't it? It did. We've since we've since rebranded. Camp stands for Capacity Aligned Marketing Platform, which is really kind of what we do. Plus, we can get a little cheeky on it. Uh, but it was uh, it was a couple of years as home and local services until we could really focus on and start working on our branding. So, when you started HLS or, or what is Camp now, and you were doing digital marketing for home services. Did you have the tech component or did it kind of start without the tech component? We had uh, Excel spreadsheets that we knew we wanted to make the tech do when we were doing it manually. And then okay. we started building that out. We had a little bit from a previous company, but not not in the capacity side. Um, so we were doing it all manually? Pretty much, yes, manually in the back end, yes. So for all of you that are listening out there that think you need to build all this software, Sometimes you can manually do it and you can charge people money and you can fake your way through it almost. Yes. We, <laughs> right? we, call it, we, we call it flying the plane while we're building it. So yeah. we're still building that plane, let me tell you. Yeah. So. And I, fake is probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean? It's like you're just you're doing whatever it takes is really what it comes down to. And if that means you're manually doing the stuff that you told the customers was half automated, you're like, well, we're it's automated because I get a reminder at 2 p.m. to go do it. Yes. And we <laughs> until we automate it, you know. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that we bootstrapped the company. You know, we, yeah. we only paid for things when we could pay for them. So we didn't have to take money from outside sources. So as long as our results were excellent, we were living up to the commitments we we're making to the customers. We only only did and built and, you know, staffed what we could afford to do, build and staff. Well, and so from the time that you had this idea and, you know, you're manually doing some of the stuff now to power the, the marketing part of it, how long did it take you to build that technology? I would say we're still building that technology. Uh, I was just on a phone call with uh, my sister, Meg, who is doing some of that today. And I think she wants to murder me. 
uh, for like, I'm like, yep, this is what we sold today. Could you get that done? Um, no, but, but I mean, till we had it actually properly animated in the marketing tech, uh, marketing stack, the MarTech with Google, probably about two years until it was in a spot. Oh, wow. where, yeah. I mean, we spent, so were you manually we, doing a lot of things for two years? We still, yeah. I mean, yes. The answer to that is yes. But you, your goal is to do less and less. And what we would do is identify places where we had the most risk. So okay. anything that had to do with budgeting, that was the first thing we built out, right? And then we looked at the API with Google. Anything that was easily achieved, we knocked that out as well. It was just kind of a, a risk reward every single time as you build that out. Um, and like I said, I mean, we're still building it. There's still things that we look around, we say, why are you still doing that manually? Let's see if we can build that out. And then we call folks and see if they can help us get that built out and spec'd out properly for a build. Well, so when people think of marketing and high-tech software, they probably don't think of plumbers and electricians <laughs> and heating and cooling, do they? But that's, that is your guys' niche. How do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it was a little bit of a technology desert. That's part of the reason why I think Google suggested that, that we take kind of our concepts and go into this space. Um, but if you think about it, I mean, these uh, a plumber that comes to your home has been phone called, had a website, has been phone called, had to dispatch, has logistics involved, has, you know, filling that truck with parts and equipment. There's a lot of components that really go into a plumbing or HVAC, electrical, garage door, roofing business. Um, they really are a lot more, I think, sophisticated than most people give them credit for. But that said, there was not a lot of companies serving, still isn't, to be honest, a lot of companies serving that space. There's a, a great vast wide open and there is over 100,000 plumbing companies in the United States. Companies, Just plumbing alone. Companies. So yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of run, you know, run room there for people to create things and develop in that space. Well, what I think is unique about this, and, and we haven't really touched on really what makes your guys' company unique, which we, we should explain more, but that traditional marketing companies don't like these types of customers, right? And the reason why is their needs change every day, every week, right? If it is in the middle of the summer, you're not trying to advertise about heating and vice versa. Like you, you have different seasons of the year and, and their needs change dramatically because their schedule is full. You know, they don't want to do advertising if, if their schedules are super full, but if it's a couple weeks of the year, maybe in the spring or the fall where they're like not very busy at all, they want to do more advertising, right? So their needs really change a lot from week to week and even day to day. And that was part of the problem you guys set to solve, right? Absolutely. No, I, I, I've never met, I've never been in an industry like the home services or the trade space. It is the lowest interest, highest intent space that I've ever been in. So, for example, I told you I came out of auto. In auto, the average time from when you decide you're going to purchase a car to actually making a conversion action, calling the dealership, going to the dealership, is 14.89 hours. In our space for But demand, it's over weeks and months. Over right? 72 days, on average 72 yeah. days. Yeah. Yep. In our space, in the home services space, it's 20 minutes for demand services. 20 minutes, you're going to decide. And you're right. It's also limited by trucks. It's not like golf clubs where I can make more or shoes where I can put them on back order, right? I'm either there or I'm not there. If you have a water heater that's spilling 40 gallons of water onto your floor, you want someone there yesterday. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So you're, the demand and the intent is so high. And that changes. Once I fill my, my, my three jobs per, per technician, 
I don't have any, I can't create more space. I can't make more product, right? My, my product in the space is the technician. So it changes not only based, like you said, on seasonality or, or weather events, but also changes on my capacity, capacity line marketing platform camp, changes the capacity, um, what I have that I can fill out because most people in this space are not going to wait. If your heat is out in the I live in Minnesota. If your heat goes out in January and it's negative 20 degrees out, and yes, it gets to negative 20 degrees out, it's warmer in your freezer than it is outside, <laughs> right? You're, you're going to want a technician there today because you're worried about yeah. your pipe freezing. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad I don't live in Minnesota. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's a good state. Um, so something else I thought's interesting is you work in an industry that is what percentage male? Oh gosh, eighty percent maybe minimum eighty percent. It's it, but in the technicians, it's probably even more, right? Oh, technicians, I think it's ninety ninety five percent easily. And so, yeah. so how does it feel to be a businesswoman in a space that is 90, you know, plus percent male. I identify as a 13 year old boy. So it works out pretty well for me personally. I, I, have humor I, I can confirm that is mostly accurate. That is correct. Right. I have a, the humor of a 13 year old boy. Um, I can't say swear words without laughing afterwards. Right. So no, for me, um, it has not been a, a huge challenge or I'm oblivious to it. Right. I can't tell if my oblivion is, is a skill as an asset or a deficit. But um, from my experience, I think most of the technicians I work with, most of the business owners I work with, if you know what you're talking about and you're providing value to them, I don't think they'd care if you were purple. Well, and I, I, I love that part of the story. And, you know, you, your business has had an, an incredible amount of growth. You know, you guys were in the Inc. 500 for a couple, a couple of years now, right? Yep. And Minnesota. And one of the. Yep. Sixth fastest growing private company in the state of Minnesota this year. That's on top of being seventh fastest last year. All while being bootstrapped. All while being bootstrapped. Yes, sir. Yep. Which is, which is so phenomenal. And uh, kudos to you guys for, for doing that. Um, so I asked your sister. So I work with your sister. You have a twin sister. Uh Weird, random questions that I should ask you on the podcast. Oh today. no! Oh gosh! You know, Meg calls me her spare parts, Matt. So she might be she might be losing the rights to some of those parts. And so one of the questions was so bizarre. I, I don't even know why I'm going to ask you this question, but I feel like I have to ask it to you because it is that bizarre. This was what she gave me. She's like, ask her if she's ever thought about how cheese is made, and if she's ever had cheese from the same cow twice wow okay i thought she was going somewhere different with the cheese story i was like this is for the question sure. i'm supposed to ask her but i feel like it's a trick question because yes for sure you would have cheese from the same cow twice because if you take two <laughs> bites of the same piece of cheese aren't you theoretically having cheese twice from the same cow there you go meg <laughs> okay Booyah. so that was the weird question, but but really the question that I got out of this is, what is it like working with family? Because you have worked with your your twin sister and your brother, yeah, my father, um, and your father, yeah. So what what is that like? Uh, it is a great balancing act. So we're we're actually uh, pretty big fans, obviously, based on what you said of nepotism, and the reason we are is for very different reasons. I feel like. 
people talk all the time about the fact that you are the sum of the five people that are around you. And if I think you're pretty great, why would I not want the five people that are around you that probably made you great? So it's, it's awesome that way because um, when I work with my brother, there was nobody who had my brother's back like me, nobody, and vice versa. I mean, there was more than just a, a professional partner work bond there, right? <clears throat> Working with my sister, Meg, there's, there's no one who I know will get whatever I've got going on or will help me like Meg will and vice versa. But there's no one that will fight like the two of us either, right? So my, my father is our, our CFO, John Stapleton, and he's our CFO because it's one of my weaknesses and one of my fears is around financing. Finance, right? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, that's not necessarily our skill set, but it's something you have to make sure is one of the highest priorities in the company, especially when you bootstrap. And so he came on because he was the only person that would tolerate me, I think, uh, early on when I was, you know, I need, I need to see the bank account every day. I need to know this. I need to know that. And that I knew I could trust that was as concerned about the finances as I would be. Well, I think you highlight one of the key things there about business is trust, right? And yeah. Yeah. that's one of the great things about working with family is, is you can work with people that you trust. Um, I have worked with, in previous companies, a couple of my sisters, and that went okay. And I also worked with my dad who worked for my first company for 17 years and never had a single problem ever working with my dad. And he was incredible to work with. So I, th I think it can work, but I also hear a lot of horror stories of like married couples working together and things like that. But I was, I was fired by my husband. My, my husband and I had a bar and he fired me. So uh, he, yeah. he hears us, he's going to kill me. But he, uh, he, we owned a bar and I was uh, bartending for him while he, his brother was our GM and he and his brother wanted to go out and they never got to go out because owner, general manager, one of them was always in the bar. So I said, I'll take the, the morning, Sunday morning shift, easy peasy, Bloody Marys and, you know, Bud Lights. And uh, he got home, we got back in the afternoon. I said, am I done? He said, yes. I sat down. I ordered a drink and I hadn't done my side work. And he said, you need to do side work. So we ended up, uh, he ended up firing me. So sometimes you're right. Sometimes I think uh, not all relationships will, will, will fit perfectly working together. Well, I think it's even harder when you live with that person, right? Because it's like you work all day and, you know, then you go home and you're still together all day and like you almost need like a non-work break, right? And, yep. and, and, and maybe we have to do, if, if you're working together, is kind of have that rule of like, when we go home, we don't talk about work. That's exactly what we do. So we actually, and, and sometimes you fall into it and we'll call each other out. We'll say, whoa, 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 no work talk. Because even though um, I no longer work with my brother, he also does digital marketing. So we find ourselves sharing stories a lot. And then that will drag my dad in, and then that drags my sister in. And we're all having this conversation. Someone says, pass the turkey leg. And we're all talking about digital marketing. You know, my mom's sitting over in the corner having nothing. So someone will finally say, hey, 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 no work talk. Let's talk about something else. And uh, so you have to have someone who kind of keeps you honest there too. And that really was a huge, huge help to make sure that we all kept our work life, our work family balance in that scenario. Well, guess what, Katie? It's sponsor time. In instead of reading a script about Gusto's payroll and benefits, we wanted to tell you what small business owners are actually saying, the people who actually use Gusto every day. With Gusto, I think of payroll as a 30-second job. The website is so friendly and a joy to use. 
Friendly payroll, you don't hear that every day. Amy from Utah says, I love Gusto so much. They do our medical, dental, vision, and life insurance. It's so painless. It's like going to the spa. And we have great options and rates, even though we're a super small team. Health insurance, like going to the spa, wow, Gusto is amazing. Honestly, the list goes on and on. And right now, our listeners can get three months free when they go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Yep, three months of payroll, benefits administration, and more totally free. Gusto.com slash startup hustle, and just or click the links in the show notes. Are you ready, Katie? Are you ready for free Gusto? I, I, you know what? I was. We use something similar, and I can't tell you how much that was important to us. Uh, like I was saying, I'm not good at finance, so I leaned into my father. If you're not good at certain things, it's so important for, to attract talent, to have good systems like that in place. So I, I was thrilled when you told me who the sponsor was, because I think it's such a great idea, especially for small companies. So we've worked together um, for the last 18 months or so as well, and um, working to help help you with some of the stuff at camp. And one of the things we've always butted heads on, I wanted to get your take on, is Slack. Oh, God, you're so, that was evil. Evil. <laughs> no wonder why. You can't see. He's wearing a red shirt. It makes all the sense in the world now. Got it. How much do you love Slack, Katie? I hate Slack. I hate Slack. And as so, Matt pointed out, that's a Katie issue, not a Slack. But why, why do you hate Slack? I'm curious. <laughs> you're not the only one, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure, he says. I've never heard of anyone else, Katie. It's just you. No, I hate Slack because I have found many people do not have a sense of appropriate channels for communication when different types of communication are needed. So for instance, on Slack, hey, we have a website down. Oh, but it's Matt Watson's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt, blah, blah, blah. And that buries, you know, the, the key message. Or, you know, we have, um, we're in Minnesota. And believe it or not, we have snow days where it just snows. I know, shocked. Don't be so shocked. And we'll put it out on Slack. Not everyone checks Slack in the morning, right? So I'm a big advocate of putting on Slack and putting it on email, make sure somebody it's going to get to people. But I just, my primary issue with Slack has mostly been around the appropriateness of its use for, people just use it for everything as opposed to realizing it should be used for specific types of communication. Yeah. And I hate well, it. I hate it. That. Oh, but you like memes, right? Come on. You like, you like memes. Oh gosh. Websites down, they get 75 crying emojis. And I'm like, no, like, like this is serious. So I'll, I'll tell you this funny Slack story. I'm a member of a, like an engineering leadership group called Rands and it has its own little Slack community. And I check it once a week or something maybe. And I just kind of look around, but there's 28,000 members. Well, about every two weeks, somebody signs up and they join and then they do an at channel, which messages every person there is, Yes. which in this case is 28,000 people. Yes. <laughs> and it's like every two weeks when this happens, somebody like all these people like me immediately come out of the woodwork and then go like roast this person for messaging 28,000 people. And it's actually like the funny ha-ha thing that happens every two weeks. I oh, always get a kick point, out of it. Oh, my point, though, Matt. Like, this is my point. Like, my, oh, God. It's like in emails, remember, we're probably old enough to remember when, before they'd lock down the all email, and people would send an email to all and send something to your entire company. Like, hey, you know, you just yeah. ridiculous things. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Slack can be its own cesspool of craziness, but it can also be a really powerful tool. So it's it, it's it always be. trying to find the balance of it. I agree with you, especially as, as you go with different kind of workplace environments and work environments, you know, it's a, a necessary evil. I understand that. Well, and it, I think it's more importantly when you work remotely. And I think that was another topic I want to talk to you about today because I, I feel like that's a something you've been passionate about and trying to figure out the balance of, of remote work and um, love to get your your take on, on remote work and the balance of that too. My take on remote work has been much formed and shaped by your feedback on remote work. So I was, uh, you know, as a super fast growing company, uh, it's hard to have remote workers. It's hard not to be able to open your door and yell to everybody, hey, we're all going right today, right? Like it's, it's hard to, to have remote work and be open to remote work. And then we tried a couple of different things. And one day I was frustrated and sharing that frustration with you. And you said to me, well, you're either designed for it or you're not designed for it. And your company isn't designed for it. And that's why you're running into these problems. And that was super enlightening, slightly annoying, super enlightening, right? When someone's so right that they tell you something, it's like, oh, gosh. Uh, but it was it was spot on advice, Matt. And so we actually changed our entire um, policy around remote work for the office or, or work from home days. And we may be Monday, Tuesday are in the office. Wednesday is office optional. Thursday, Friday is in the office. And we did that because, you know, based off what you said, I know then that I can force Wednesdays to be, to change our methods, to change our policies. We're not going to have in-person meetings. We don't have company lunch. We make sure that all communications are heavily slack. Because before it was random, right? Like some people worked from home on Monday and some were Tuesdays and some were Thursdays. And and when it's that way, I think it's harder to for like everybody to know where everybody is. And you don't really know if are they at home and working or not being productive. At least on Wednesdays, you now know like you have some different set of ex- expectations from like, okay, I know they're at home. Yeah, and I know no, it that. Was, it was really enlightening. It was good. Right? And to your point, we can change our processes to be very focused around on Wednesdays, it's work from home days. So we're going to do that on Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays, or Tuesday, Mondays and Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. We're going to have a different set of policies and principles about how we communicate. So that was, yeah, that was a, and that's actually been working out really well. I think our employees like it. It's nice in the middle of the week because there's only two days that you're coming into the office consecutively. Um, so you've got two days in, one day off, two days in the weekend. Um, do you so have some really people nice. that, do you have some people that just come in on Wednesdays anyways? Yes, we have a lot of people that come in. And, and that's partially part of our environment. We have free food for breakfast and lunch in the office at any given time, free drinks, a nap room, you know, playrooms to like hang out in and play video games and ping, like a lot of the kind of tech companies do. Um, so well, the, built it. well, and the whole return, return to office thing has been a big movement over the last few months. And uh, several people have pointed out that, you know, a lot of companies like yours are doing hybrid but hybrid is potentially the worst of both worlds. And, and, and the reason why is, you know, the advantage of potentially working remote is I can, li- I can work wherever I want. Like I could go live somewhere that is much lower cost or I, can, I don't need to live in, you know, downtown New York. I can go live in Albany, New York instead or whatever, right? Well, if you have to be hybrid, now you lose that benefit. Like I, you lose the benefit of being the remote because you're forced to go to the office one day a week. And you have some of the other challenges of 
of being forced in the office too was just equipment. This was my dad's problem. He's like, I'm at home. I have my two monitors. I have my laptop. I have everything set up. He's like, if I have to go to the office one day a week, it's like, do I take my monitors to work? Like, I don't like, you know, he, that's his work environment, right? That's where he sits and he does his work to all of a sudden have like two places you do work was not super convenient either. Like, I think there's some challenges for people like flipping those modes, going back and forth and back and forth. There is, but there's challenges for the business as well. Like a lot of people don't know this, but if you are a company that allows for total remote remote employees, you're filing taxes in those states. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And during COVID, when people went down to Florida or Texas or whatever, if you were there more than six months, it was the company's obligation to know where you were, yeah. whether it was shared or not. And then we had to file taxes in states we didn't even know we had employees yeah. in. And then you have state regulations. So if you didn't have, you know, we had some employees move to the other side of the river and the other side of the river had different, in Minneapolis to St. Paul, and the St. Paul side of the river has different sick requirements. And if we yeah. had an employee in St. Paul for more than t- six months, we had to uh, change our sick policies. So there's is a lot of... Um, it brings a up a great of, point. A lot of work that's taken care of. And and a lot of times employees don't, rightfully so, I get it. Like they don't, they feel like you're checking up on them just to be a pain in the rump or big brother. I don't want to tell you that I'm in Florida sitting by the beach because you're going to think I'm not working. Well, I need yeah. to because I got to play Florida taxes. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't come yeah. back from the employee that comes back on the company. Yeah, I had these problems uh, with, at Stackify, you know, during COVID. We shut the office down and went remote. Well, in Kansas City... For those who aren't familiar with Kansas City, is a great city with you know a couple million people. That a long time ago, somebody decided to draw a state line right down the middle of it. <laughs> so our employees were kind of 50-50 split, but if they all went to the office in Kansas, they were all paid Kansas taxes, right? And now, to your, your exact point, well, now they're working from home in Missouri. Totally changed all the stuff. It's like all the all the weird problems, but we're re- remote has its own set of challenges. Mara. You know, and my company, like, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, interrupt you. The, the, the easy answer on the equipment, though, is equipment's cheap. So yeah. We, we just replicate their, so we tell people all the time, I'll buy you a chair. I'll buy you multiple monitors are a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, even a decent monitor now is 250 bucks, right? So we'll buy whatever equipment they want to have for their home. We'll make sure they're comfortable because ultimately it's, you know, part of working here. We want them comfortable. It makes a huge difference. So we've done all of that. And. I don't even care if those ever come back because it's so inexpensive to buy the equipment. So it's, there's there's ways around it, but I think people don't understand some of the ramifications for the business as well. Yeah, and it, it, what I was going to say is at full scale, uh, we have 300 employees that all work remote. And you know, we talked earlier about Slack and stuff too. I think all those things kind of change the culture, right? If you're if you're 100 remote, like we have to be good at Slack, we have to be good at email communication and other types of communication. We have to be because you never like most of our employees have never seen each other in person. Like has literally never happened. Yes, no. My, <laughs> right? so I, when you said that, I went home and talked to my husband because he has a, a, a agency that he runs, and it's they don't have. I mean, he's got an office where in local in town, but no other employees in the state. He's got employees in Portugal, employees in uh, Montana, all over Washington State, all over the place. And so I kind of said to him, your point, and he said, yeah, we are fully, to your point, we are fully designed. You know, we have different rules. We have different things. You don't know if someone walked in at eight or not. So they, they check in on Slack with each other. So they know someone's there. They, they're much more uh, adapt and, and 
used to saying, hey, I'm running out to grab lunch, right? Whereas we wouldn't think yeah. about here. So yeah, yep. you're, you're right. It, it, it just changes things. Well, there's a couple other key things I want to talk to you about today. And one of them I think that's interesting. So a lot of entrepreneurs, one of the hardest problems is you've got a great business idea, but how are you going to sell it? How are you going to sell this thing? And I think your guys' sales model is is unique and worth highlighting that most of your sales come through partnerships, mm. right? They come through industry, uh, networking groups, and stuff like that. And I thought it'd be interesting if you'd share a little about how your guys' sales process works and your kind of go-to-market strategy works, because I think it's unique to, to you. No, it is. And it's actually a great point, Matt. Um, and one we did purposefully. But when we started, I told you that it was kind of Google's idea that we we get into this space we were really grateful to get that head start. Uh, and then there's over 100,000 plumbers, right, in this space. And we, we wanted plumbers and HVAC electricians, garage, all those different verticals, pest control, everything. And so we really had to look at how do you start when it's almost so many opportunities. And we were lucky enough to have a partnership with a strategic group here in the Twin Cities uh, that has probably about 1,000 of the best um, folks in the space, the best uh, clients in the space clients we wanted to align with, with, with what our offering was going to be. And so we leaned heavily onto getting into that. It took us about a, two years to, to vet through that process, which is great. Cause as I said, we were kind of still building stuff on the back end while we were doing that. Um, but then leaned into that partnership and basically got the nod. Uh, and then what we realized is by working with their, those customers, those are some of the best customers in the space. Like I said, some of the highest growth, largest plumbing companies you know, people probably hear me say plumbing companies. These are $100 million plumbing companies I'm talking about. I mean, we have, we have one we work with I'm so proud of to call a partner. It's uh, Eco Plumbers in um, Ohio. And one, you know, they've gone from, they're, they're going to hit, they're, they're public about this. They don't keep it quiet. They're going to hit $60 million in uh, revenue this year. These you are, never think about that with a plumbing company, huh? No. And this guy's got such a great story. Y'all should look it up. It's, um, he, he talks about how plumbing saved his life. Uh, he has high school dropout and had a kid and said, I got to figure out a way to feed my, feed my children and feed my child and never let him go hungry or miss anything. And he just put his head down and built not, not only financially one of the best businesses, but what they've built for others too. He does plumbing university and trains people. He's just, it's an amazing business. Uh, he's such a, a cool human being. Um, so when we realized we were getting in partnerships with those kind of companies, um, plumbers, electricians, HVAC techs, they're very much, you know, what's this guy doing? What's this other guy doing? So then we really heavily leaned into that model for, for advertising. So this is a client of ours. Don't you want to be like them? Right. Yep. And, and in some cases, it was as simple as putting our logo at the bottom of the website. Everybody looked at their, their website and said, what is this guy doing to grow so fast? What is he doing? You know, who's, who are his partners? And when they go to the bottom of the website and see our, our footer, we track it and we get literally hundreds of leads from that little footer at the bottom of the site. Yeah, it especially as a marketing agency, right? It's like every website you build is, you know, a billboard for you. You know, it's it's you know, an example of your work and your quality of work, right? So if people see it and they like it, like you said, they're like, Who built this website? And um that's you know, work quality and, and putting that out there is always important because it's like your billboard. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was nice. We we kind of like I said, we lucked into the fact that one Google kind of gave us a pat on the back and and pointed us in the right direction. And then we had such a great partner group here in the Twin Cities, and 
that really launched us into, well, let's go find these other partner groups and distributors and marketers so we didn't have to go direct and went through them. All of our sales are direct, but it's uh, it's more, more of like a guided tour. They'll say, you know, call these guys. They're looking for somebody and, and vouch for us, which is so helpful in the space. Yeah, those trusted referrals are, are so, so valuable. Yes, yes. I, one of your other key partners you've you mentioned a couple times now with Google, they're still a really critical key, key partner, right? Like I, I got to, uh, thank you for inviting me. I got to go to New York and go to a Google event that you guys like co-sponsored with Google or whatever. Um, Google helps a lot even today, right? Absolutely. Um, they're really transparent. They're, it's an interesting company, Google, because they don't tell you anything unless you ask. But if you ask, they'll tell you anything. But they always kind of remind me of all the bad genie movies we grew up with, because if they, you know, if you say like, I want to be half as rich as this guy, they make that guy broke and then you owe. Like, <laughs> so you, you have to ask the questions the right way with them. Uh, but it's it's been instrumental that they've, they've given us a lot of insight onto predictions for what's going to happen in cost increases for next year. And then we're able to share that with our clients so they can budget appropriately. Um, you know, with what they predict is going to happen with search goals um, for next year, search trends. Um, they also help us professionally. They've done a lot of um, business training for us and going out in two weeks to uh, event they're hosting for lead gen. That's what group we're in. It's called lead gen, lead gen high growth agencies. And they just have their executives sit with us and train us about business stuff. Um, so it's not just about Google and Google products. They, they've been very generous with their time and their training platforms. Well, because they know if you if they can help you, then you help them, right? The the yes. you're running around every day trying to convince people to use more of Google. Yes. Right. So it's in their vested interest to make you as strong and 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 as powerful as possible to go spread the message of using Google. So it, it's great that they recognize and they're doing that. And I think it's really cool for you to be able to do these kinds of events and do it at Google's office and and have Google's name attached to, you know, Camp Digital and all that yeah. stuff. And, yeah, and it's got it's gotta be weird for you. Like the first time you're like, wow, we're doing this thing with Google. Like that would that had to be weird the first time. It's not just the first time, it's every time. I don't care all the all the people I work with, they're like, oh I'm too cool. I've been to the Google I don't care how many times you've been to a Google office. They have their own scent at each office. Like each office you, has its own Google scent. I mean, it, it is so cool every time. And I try and learn from them. Like the reason we don't care about whether or not you have a monitor at home and we get that back, that came from Google. They did this whole high growth seminar I sat through once and they said, you're really going to spend, you know, 400 bucks an hour trying to get back a $50 monitor. Yeah. Like what's yeah. wrong with you? And it was, it takes them sometimes saying that to go, oh my gosh, that makes, or you're going to have a. $75,000 employee handicapped to one screen on the Wednesdays that they want to work from home. No, buy them three screens if they want three screens. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 you sometimes as entrepreneurs, especially in bootstrap, we, you know, we trip over dollars to pick up our dimes. And I think that can really hurt you. So one of the thing I wanted to make sure and touch on today was, uh, ESOPs. You guys are doing something special to turn the company into an employee owned company, which I think is really cool and love to hear your take on that. I think every entrepreneur, whether they want to admit it or not, maybe not every, but the majority of us build our business thinking about the day we exit that business. And I don't think you can build a business planning, you know, like you're going to sell it. You have to build it like you're going to run it forever. And that's, I think, how you get the best dollar amount for it. But we were approached uh, unsolicited by a couple of companies that wanted to buy us. And we looked pretty heavily into that. 
And while we were doing that, we engaged an auditing company. And the auditor kind of in passing mentioned to me the notion of an ESOP, employee stock owned company. And I instantly kind of fell in love with it because it's a harder process than selling it. Um, it doesn't get you as rich as if you just sold it outright. But every single one of these people that we go to war with every day that have blood, sweat, and tears invested in this company that work with us, every one of these guys is going to benefit from it. And we hire a little differently here. So we have a first-generation American, for instance, who was, um, you know, not, he had just gotten his degree through a program from the state of Minnesota because he was plucking, I think, turkey feathers and that company went under. And so they re-educated him. He's here. I'm hoping in five years after this ESOP, he'll be able to buy a house. You know, we have a guy who I don't think would be able to retire otherwise. And so these people I see every day that give us 100%, not only am I going to make out well, but all of those people will be coming along with. And I just absolutely loved that concept. So we're hoping to finish that ESOP, if not at the end of this year, uh, for sure before the end of first quarter next. Well, it's really cool that these sort of I don't know if you'd kind of almost call them private equity sort of groups have like figured out this model of how to help do this, right? How to transition the company and transition into this ESOP model. It's, it's an interesting sort of like a, would you consider it a buyout? Like how would you describe yeah, the, that? How do you is. go to the, to the ESOP? So it is it, a, it's a pretty cool model. Yeah. It buys out the owners, the existing owners. We can leave some behind if we, we choose to do so. Um, and, and that's all how the deal structured, right? Um, but then the, you're essentially selling the company to the employees without the owner or the employees having to take the risk. That's the key part. Traditional ESOPs, as an owner, I'd sell the business to my employees. They'd make payments, but if they defaulted, I'd be left holding the bag. The ESOPs now have it where there's a, a third party essentially acting in between, and they are the ones responsible for the... So that makes it a little bit harder as you go through diligence and a little bit more disciplined. Um, but there's no risk for the owners, previous owners, and there's no risk for the employees, no risk for the employees, just upside. And when we were looking at selling the company, Matt, I'd, I've seen what happened to other companies when they sell a lot of oh, yeah. top talent leaves company. Oh, teams. yeah. So it just happened. to my, it, it, I just saw it yeah. firsthand recently. <laughs> I mean, so it's it's just wasn't what we you know, it wasn't the baby we wanted to raise. So I, I've. um I'm probably the biggest ESOP cheerleader you're going to come across and would love to talk to anybody about it. It's, it's harder. It's a hard journey, but as entrepreneurs, I don't think that, you know, something that's hard works ever stopped any one of us. Well, I think it's cool. Instead of selling the company to some private equity or selling it to a strategic or like, you know, some roll up or whatever, you're like, I'm selling it to the employees. Yep. And I think that's really cool. I think, I think it's definitely different. It's first I'd ever heard of this. So I, I, I really wanted to highlight that today is another option. Most people have never even probably it's thought of. It's a great of, way so. to take care of those people that have that made the business. Made Absolutely. And none of us would have a business without our employees. Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, and if you have a lot of employees, you probably need Gusto. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Gusto. If you're looking for an all-in-one HR platform, it's time to check out Gusto. I bet they would help with having employees in a bunch of states too. But yes, they would really help with that. If you have everything you need, you will have everything you need in just a few clicks of a button. You'll even get three months free when you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle or click the link in the show notes. Go switch to Gusto so your small company can offer big time benefits without an HR department, which I like that idea too. 
Well, Katie, so much. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, again, this was Katie Donovan, the founder and CEO of Camp Digital, which is campdigital.com. Um, Katie always asks people on the way out, what is your final like uh, words of wisdom, advice for other entrepreneurs out there? It could be about anything. Is it okay to say subscribe to Startup Hustle because it's got a lot of good advice? <laughs> I like that's a good one. I like that's a great tip. I like that one. I, I think the biggest thing is, um, I think it was uh, it was a Ted Lasso that said, be like a goldfish. If you if you uh, if you focus too much on what happened yesterday, you'll never get focused on what's going on today. That is great advice to other entrepreneurs because it's so easy to be focused on all the negative and all the bad things that have happened. You just got to look forward and just keep moving. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's great advice. Awesome. Matt, right, well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.